How many came to receive today? All three of you. Let's try that one more time. How many came to receive today? All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When you come to receive, what happens? You receive. You actually go home with something. I said, amen. If you come, come expectant. You go home with something. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. We have been uh, talking really about being a spiritual people and what that means to be a spiritual people. Um, our whole year actually has been a year, at least on our Sunday services, we've been focusing on, uh, you know, a year of empowerment. Amen. And so we kind of started shifting some gears about, oh, probably about two months back now, and uh, started talking about, you know, uh, you know, about the Spirit of God breathing into us and, and being empowered by the Holy Ghost on a daily basis. And then we began to, about, oh, several weeks back here, started talking about becoming that spiritual people. What does that mean to be spiritual? Amen. Praise God. How many know that's just, that's not, uh, there's a difference between being spiritual and being religious. There's a lot of religious people that ain't very spiritual. Now, I know it's none of you, but, uh, you know, we're, we're ministering to more than just in this room today. Amen. We're ministering to those by Internet, praise God, some uh, through video and some through audio. And uh, so I'm believing that this is the word that can minister to everybody and anybody. Come on, somebody. Uh, even if you got all this down, it's just a good refresher course. Amen. Praise God. So we're going to today, we're going to go to First uh, Peter. Chapter 2, please. 1 Peter, chapter 2. Amen. And uh, hopefully uh, let this thing unfold a little bit. Kind of ended last week with some things and kind of picking up a little bit of where we left off with last week, um, but kind of giving it a little bit different twist today. Praise God. Today I'm actually going to talk about spiritual perspective. Amen. I mean, no, it's good to have a right perspective. A right outlook that we see things as they as we should see them. Amen. Are you still with me? A right viewpoint. I said a right viewpoint. Sometimes people just have a wrong viewpoint. Amen. I mean, we all have some form of outlook or some form of viewpoint. We all have a way that we all look at things. Sometimes we look at things through what they call through rose-colored glasses. Come on, somebody. But that's all it is, is an outlook. It's a it's a viewpoint. Amen. Now, you know, we all have a viewpoint. That don't mean, though, that your viewpoint's right. We all have opinions. Yes, you do. We all have opinions, right? That don't mean your opinion's right. It's just an opinion. Come on, somebody. Still with me? Now, we hope that your opinion's right, and we hope that your viewpoint's right. Amen. But just because we have a viewpoint... And just because we have an opinion doesn't make it right. Still with me? So with that said, uh, verse 1 of chapter 2 in 2 Peter. Let's read about uh, maybe down through a few verses here. It says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Look at your neighbors. That would be a good thing to lay that stuff aside. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So obviously he's talking to somebody. Uh, that needs to lay some stuff aside, and he's making the analogy here that, you know, with all this, it, it determines a, 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 an immature, uh, um, you know, character, an immature individual, and so he says that we need to grow up. We need to, This word grow here, that you may grow, is actually one Greek word, and it literally means to grow up, to increase, uh, to, to rise above, amen, to be bigger, amen, than than what he's talking about in text. Amen. We need to grow. Look at your name and say, it's time to grow up. Let's try that one more time. Everybody say, it's time to grow up. Amen. So anyway, uh, these are some things that we talked about uh, last week in, in uh, 1 uh, Corinthians in chapter 3. He talked about uh, you know, what it means uh, when you get caught up in strife and envy and divisions. He says it's a, it, you're being carnal. You're being, you're being like babies. Come on, somebody. Uh, you're, you're acting like mere men just because you want to get caught up with envy and strife and contention. I mean, you know, is it worth it? There's a lot of stuff to be, uh, you know, envious of. There's a lot of stuff to be in strife over. And there's a lot of stuff to be in division over. It's all over the place. I mean, you don't even have to go very far. I mean, 
We could have you all caught up in that before you leave the service today. <laughs> well, it's true as a choice. I can say the wrong thing, and then all of a sudden you're all mad at me. That's the truth. It could happen. You know, say something you don't agree with. But uh, uh, we have to choose as spiritual people, amen, to not be, you know, immature in our actions and how we, you know, how we respond to things and react to things, right? Thank you for all that enthusiasm. Still with me? All right, so we got to grow up, amen. So he's talking about, amen, you got to lay this other stuff aside. Why? So you can grow up. And he says, verse 3, if indeed, if indeed you have tasted or experienced the Lord is gracious or good or, or better, that word also even means employed or, in other words, works. In other words, how many have tasted that God works? How many taste that the Lord is good? How many have tasted or experienced, amen, that God is better than anything else out there? Praise God. Let's try that again. Has anybody in this house experienced or tasted that the Lord is good? All right. Now, if you've done that, praise God, if you know that God is good, amen, then it'd be worthy of us to lay aside some of this yuck. Still with me? Because... Why? Well, because when you kind of hook up with him, all of a sudden your perspective changes. Now, verse 4, please. Verse 4. We'll come back up to this. Verse 4. Coming to him, or approaching him, or drawing near unto him, it means, as to a living stone, something lively. A stone, uh, in this text here, is referring more, mostly to a building material. In other words, something being built, a house being built, stone upon stone, brick upon brick, layer upon layer, uh, something being built. And so he's a living stone. We come to him, uh, and he's, he's a living stone, praise God. Amen. Something that can be built upon, something that can be built with, amen. And we draw into him, we move into him, we approach him. Why? Because he's a living stone. And what about him? Well, he was rejected. He's a living stone that was rejected. Huh? Why would anybody reject Jesus? I mean, he was the nicest guy that ever walked the planet. He was the coolest preacher that ever lived. And yet he was rejected indeed by men. Not everybody accepted him. Not everybody agreed with him. Not everybody jumped on board. Not everybody jumped in behind and followed him everywhere he went. Some people actually thought it was their calling to make sure he had a bad day. Yet this is the one we draw to. This is the one we come unto. Amen. To Jesus, who's a living stone, that even though he was rejected indeed, uh, rejected indeed by men, but he was chosen by God and precious or valued. Honored due to importance. Amen. See, he was chosen by God. He might have been rejected by men, but he was chosen by God. We move unto him, why? Because he was chosen by God, and he was precious in the eyes of God. How many will agree with that? Now, you got you to hook up. Now, we're going somewhere. Verse 5, please. Let's go to it. You also as living stone. So he was a living stone, and you've drawn unto him, you've accepted him. You also are living stones, something, amen, that God can build upon or build with. Still with me? All right? So just like he was a living stone, you also are a living stone. But it ain't just that you're a living stone. Let's back up to verse 4. You also at times, are rejected. Sometimes you're not accepted by everybody. Sometimes you could be overlooked, or sometimes you could be, uh, you know, maybe not treated quite so right. Or maybe you could be somebody that maybe just flat, you know, somebody just out to get you. 
or out to make your day bad. Has anybody, don't raise your hand, but has anybody ever been involved in that? Ever felt like you're on that end of it? See, but you're a living stone. And maybe you've been rejected, but you also are chosen by God. See, you're a living stone. You're something that could be built upon, something that could be used to be to build with. Come on. That even though there might be those out there that may not understand you, may not quite hook up with you, but God has chosen you, and God sees you as precious. You also as living stones, verse 5. You also, as living stones, are being built up. Amen. Hallelujah. Built up a, here we go, a spiritual house. A spiritual house. Now this word house, it just it means, um, you know, a dwelling. It means a household. It means a family. Amen. And so right now I'm looking at a, at a, at a household. Now, we know that overall it can refer to the body as a whole, but I believe what he's talking about, this is, of course, uh, a letter written by Peter uh, to the Jewish believers. And, of course, they're under persecution because they were willing uh, to, to receive Christ even though a lot of their Jewish brothers uh, were not seeing the importance. They saw Jesus maybe as a, as a, as a prophet, maybe, but weren't seeing him as the Lord, weren't seeing him as the, the one that was called the anointed one sent by God. They weren't necessarily seeing that. And as a result of them receiving him as Lord, there's all kinds of pressure now. Anybody hearing me? So he's saying, listen, you also are going to be something God can build with and build upon. Being built up, amen, becoming a spiritual house, becoming a spiritual dwelling, becoming a spiritual household, becoming a spiritual family. Is there anybody in this house that wants to be a, considered a spiritual family? Whew. Just thought I'd get a little more movement out of you on that one. Now, the word spiritual. Uh, again, we've defined this the last three weeks. We're going to do it again this week. The word spiritual means non-carnal. If you look up carnal, its first definition is non-spiritual. So there are two opposing forces. But the word spiritual also means ethereal, okay, which means Aware of the unseen. Okay? And if you, you know, look that word in the Greek, it means uh, aware of heavenly things or celestial things. Okay? So, ethereal, uh, being aware of the unseen. Okay? Whereas, carnal is, goes on in its definition as, uh, nat- or actually literally means to be uh, moved by the senses. All right? Or moved by the natural. So the, the difference between spiritual and carnal is, comes down to this. Carnal is moved more by natural things, whereas spiritual is moved more by the unseen things, spiritual things. Right? So he says, you are being built up a spiritual house, a family of believers that is more moved by the unseen than they are by the seen. A holy priesthood. That's who you are. Now, later on, if you in verse 9 and verse 10 of this same chapter, it says that you are a chosen generation, right? A royal priesthood. A, a holy, peculiar people, praise it. A holy nation, a peculiar people, praise God. That's who you are. That's your identity. So here it says that you're a spiritual house, a holy, consecrated, literally means uh, let's see, consecrated also means a morally blameless. So that word holy means consecrated or morally blameless. But it, priesthood, it means a priestly, get this, a priestly fraternity. Now, some of the fraternities I know, weren't thinking spiritual things. Come on now. Not holy, yeah. 
But this one says, you're part of a different household. You're part of a different family. You're part of a different fraternity. Amen. He's referred to all of us, not only as a spiritual house, but a, literally a consecrated and morally, uh, what is it again? Morally, what am I going to get it right here? Uh, blameless, a morally blameless priestly fraternity. That's who you are. And we have to understand that because in the next thing it says, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable or received or, amen, chosen, amen, something that, amen, is acceptable to God, and it says it's through Jesus Christ. In other words, because of what Christ has done. Now, this offering up spiritual sacrifices thing. Hmm. So what he's asking of you and me as a spiritual house, as a consecrated and morally uh, blameless priesthood, he's asking us to be willing to offer up spiritual sacrifices. What does that mean? The word spiritual, again, is talking about unseen things. So... The word sacrifice, you know, you think here the word sacrifice. First thing you might think of is, you know, like in the old covenant, they sacrificed, you know, the, uh, you know, the, it talks about the blood of bulls and goats and the, talking about sacrificial things for the sins of a nation or for the sins of man. And so all this, we start thinking about, okay, spiritual sacrifices. So, you know, he can't, he's not talking about us offering up, you know, animals at some altar. I mean, if that was the case, we wouldn't have any left, right? We'd all be starting in on our dogs and cats just to, okay, maybe a bad thought. But anyway, the point is, praise God, amen. He's not talking about offering up, you know, sacrificial offerings on an altar like they did in the Old Covenant. He's talking about spiritual sacrifices. The word sacrifice itself, um, when you break the word down, it just means literally the act of sacrificing or the victim of a sacrifice. Now, he's not encouraging anybody to be a victim, but he says he's, what he's trying to do is let it be known that there are certain things that you have to offer up, be willing to offer up, even though maybe you've been the victim. Well, maybe... Something's been done wrong. Remember, he's talking in context to the Jewish folks who've made a decision for Jesus. Well, it's still a letter to you and me, but in context, there's all kinds of things happening and being done to them. They're being overlooked. They're being mistreated. Literally, now they've got, they've got their Jewish brothers have, have turning their back on them. Is anybody hearing me? Because they made a decision to make this Savior, this Jesus, their Lord. It was a big decision. Anybody hearing me? So, that's still, a, you know, even though we know in text who he's talking to, you have to understand that's you or me. There are all kinds of stuff that you had to make adjustments for, make changes in your life. Things that you had to maybe let go of. Things that you have to maybe now do different. Because you're not the same person anymore. And the reason we make these adjustments and changes is because hopefully we're more aware of the unseen than we are of the natural. A lot of stuff going on. So let's, let's find out what is he talking about here. So let's go back up to verse 1. Take a look at it for a minute in the light of this. <clears throat> Therefore, laying aside all malice. Now, when you start defining all this, you start understanding what he's talking about. 
about being willing to, willing to offer up a spiritual sacrifice. I would rather right now, you know, what's going on, what's happening, what's, what's happening here or there, I'm finding myself, you know, coming under this thing called malice. Well, to be spiritual, I'm going to have to choose a higher road. Okay, so what does this mean? We all have some ideas, but some of these actually are different Greek words than what they're used in other parts of the Scripture. So I thought it's worthy of looking at it. To lay aside, of course, means to put off or cast off, put away, lay, lay something down. So malice here, kakia, okay, it's just K-A-K-I-A is the Greek word. It means badness, <laughs> okay, badness. But it refers to depravity or an immoral action. Uh, uh, maligny, maligny, am I say if I'm quite pronouncing that right? Um, but it means out of spite or maliciousness. Okay, that's where we get a word malice here. Okay, so it means we're doing something, an immoral action, out of spite or maliciousness. All right, and the idea is that what's going on here is that there are things happening around us, dealing with other people. Come on, that. If we don't watch it, our reactions and our responses are going to be because of we're just being more moved by the natural. But we're a spiritual house. Amen. A holy priesthood, amen, who are willing to offer up spiritual sacrifices that even though somebody's done something, somebody said something, we are choosing the higher road. We are choosing a higher perspective. It isn't worth it to get malicious. It isn't worth it to do some immoral action because of what somebody has done or said. Are you with me? Deceit. Now, it isn't all bad like this. Now, Grant, hang on. My idea today is not to just talk about all the, you know, all the, you know, the immature things. All right? The idea, the focus today is about perspective. See, if we let God breathe into us, amen, we're more apt to be aware of unseen things. And the more aware of unseen things the more we step out of immaturity into maturity. Why? Because our perspective is now different. About two months back, we started into this thing because Jesus is laying in a boat sleeping. He says, let's go to the other side. So the boys all get in the boat and they start heading over to the other side. He's got a job to do on the other side of the of, of the sea, so he's, let's go. So he's woke up in the middle of the night out of his sleep because a mega storm rolled in. And the boys are bailing. They're all fearful. They're all panicking. They're bailing water. Finally, they can't figure out, why don't that guy wake up? Can he see? We're having trouble here. There's a mess going on. Can't wake up, Jesus. Don't you care that we're drowning now? Well, that was their perspective. Somebody says, well, it'd be hard not to have that one. To walk this walk doesn't mean it's always going to be easy, does it? It really doesn't even promise it's going to be easy. It promises simplicity, but not necessarily everything's going to be easy. But if you stay hooked up with him, amen, stay simple in that, guess what? You can get through no matter what it is you're up against. Still with me? So Jesus wakes up, amen, they're all bailing water because water's coming in the boat. The waves are beating up against it. He wakes up, he rebukes the wind, and commands the sea to be still. And all of a sudden, as fast as that mega storm arose, a mega call manifested. And they all were like, whoa. What happened? Well, Jesus woke up. What happened is the man with a different perspective woke up. 
He wasn't moved by the waves in the sea. He was moved by, by the unseen, knowing the source, come on, of the problem. So he dealt with the source, didn't he? Okay. All of a sudden, mega calm. You get over into chapter 5 of, of Mark, and all of a sudden, he's heading to where he, to the to the tombs of the Gadarenes, and we see a man come out, and I guess it kind of depends on which text. Actually, it was a couple of them there, but the one definitely who had a legion of, or many demons. Come on, somebody. His name was Legion. And so Jesus looks at him. Here he comes. He begins to worship him because that demon obviously knew who Jesus was. Now, the word said this, that everybody was trying to shackle him, chain him down, keep him you know, secluded, keep him away from everybody else because that's all they knew to do because naturally speaking, this boy was a problem. Jesus came in, didn't see him as a problem. Takes authority over the spirit. He didn't get in some big debate with it, didn't get in some big discussion with it. Amen. He found out his name was Legion. But he never even addressed him by that spirit name. Come on, somebody. He addressed him and told him, get, go. And all of a sudden, within seconds, it's all different. Why? Well, it's Jesus. No, the man with a right perspective who understood what he was up against dealt with it. Everybody else was trying to deal with the natural part of it. Let's bail water. Let's shackle him down. Let's take. A, let's do this. Let's. Ta- We're just trying to calm this mess down. And Jesus steps on the scene and says, "You're, you're going at it all wrong." Galatians six, one of the verses we used a couple weeks back. He who is spiritual restores such a one. What one? Well, the one that's messing up, the one that's having problems, the one that has issues, the one that's done things wrong. What do you do? Well, let's just get caught up with it. No, you who are spiritual because you have a different perspective. We restore. That's what we do. Well, no, we get caught. No, that's what, you know, go back over here. Let's go back to uh, 2 Peter, or 1 Peter, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 2. There we go. And let's go to that verse, uh, verse 1 again. Laying aside all malice. Well, I don't like what's going on. I'm just going to get caught up with it. Well, it isn't worth it. Well, pastor, this is going on. Listen, we're not denying something's going on. Jesus ain't denying that there are things going on. You might have pressure going on right now. You might be dealing with some situation, a circumstance, something in the household, something in your business, something in the church. I mean, whatever it is, you might be dealing with something. But we're called to lay aside this thing called malice. And if it means offering up a spiritual sacrifice, it's worth it. Is anybody catching this? It isn't worth getting caught up with it. A week or so back, we started talking about what you sow, you reap. And what the problem is, is we have a tendency to be more moved by natural things, and then we get caught up in it, and we start doing it, and all we've done is gave the enemy more place. Instead of eliminating it. This is what the Spirit of God told me about a week ago. He says, let's be a part of the solution, not the problem. It's so easy because this happens, so we get involved, and then we're all acting out of the flesh. And next thing you know, oh, God. And I think when I started this series, Spirit of God, in the very first week of this thing, Spirit of God said, this is why our hospitals are full. This is why our prisons are full. Our jails are full. The relief lines are full. The rehab centers are full. The divorce courts are full. All of this because we're not a part of the solution. We all get a part of the problem. But spiritual people are willing to offer up a spiritual sacrifice. Why? Because we're a spiritual household, amen, a spiritual family choosing a higher road. And sometimes you just offer it up. Well, it ain't fair. 
I really don't find that verse in there where it says everything's going to be fair. But I do find in there where it says God is a just God. And if we will choose His way, amen, He's a just God. But when we get moved more by the natural, and we always think everything's got to be fair, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and pretty soon we're all caught up in it, and next thing we know, we just got more problems. Still with me? All right, let's, let's look at this other thing called deceit. Dolos, the Greek word, D-O-L-O-S. It means guile. In fact, some translations even have the word guile in there. It means a willful, listen, a willful, this particular word means a willful misrepresentation. It speaks of coming out of deceptive or deception, but it also refers to this, evasive or elusive. It even uses the word excuses. So we try to excuse everything, but it's evasive or elusive. We're, 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 We're willfully misrepresenting something, okay, due to whatever, okay, um, we, uh, to get everybody to see it our way, this is where um, um, exaggeration, well, you know, everybody, no, no, three people, no, everybody, no, maybe only one, right, but everybody, no, no, stop it, see, now you're making an excuse for your behavior. When all along, you're just caught up with something because right now they annoy you. Is anybody hearing me? So we get caught up in that, and now we're a part of the problem and not a part of the solution. Hypocrisy. That just sounds like such an ugly word. Hypocrisy. The Greek word on this particular word is hypocrisis. Okay? And uh, so it's a little bit different word, but it means acting under uh, a feigned part or a disguise. It means dissimulation or pretending. Okay? Now, hypocrisy in itself doesn't mean you made a mistake. Somebody like might say, you know, all Christians are hypocrites. Why do you say that? Where did that come? I mean, what's that? What are, you, what are you basing that off? Well, you know, they all make them. No, 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 no. Nowhere does it say in there because you made a mistake, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite because you pretend that even though you made the mistake, you tell everybody, I never make mistakes. Now, that makes you a hypocrite because you do too. You come up short once in a while. You said something you shouldn't have said. Come on, somebody, right? So put on disguise, act like something you're not. Now, in this particular word here, this one here is coming out of a a deal where you're trying to be something. You're not in the sense of this, okay? You're trying to somehow portray something else to those around you due to whatever. It could be maybe out of pressure. So we, we pretend to be something. We put on a mask. We pretend we're something else. This is a lot of times where a lot of times where riding the fence comes out of. A lot of folks ride the fence. You know what I mean by riding the fence? Or is that just a Midwest term? Okay, riding the fence. Okay, you play both sides. So once in a while you got to put on the mask. Come on, somebody. Because you don't want them to really know, you know, I serve God or whatever. So it could come out on this end where all of a sudden you're portraying something you're not to somehow protect your hiney. Because I don't like all this people looking at me and saying things or doing things. So I'm going to put on a mask and pretend I'm something else for whatever length of time it is. He says you got to lay that aside too. Now remember, all of these are responses or reactions, okay, because you're dealing with people. And really it comes down to a perspective, your perspective of what you're dealing with or who you're dealing with. Like, for instance, hypocrisy. I just thought, you know, years ago, you know, I was, I, 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 when I was dead in God and alive under the world, come on, somebody, um, I really didn't care what you thought. And then you get saved, and then all of a sudden, you now you're just all worried what everybody thinks of you or something, you know. And I was thinking, you know what, I got saved, and I'm thinking, 
Might as well go all the way. My family instantly thought, you're weird. You're weird. My dad figured I was just on some tangent for a little bit. Just kind of ignore him a little bit. He'll, it'll all go away, and he'll come back to, you know, well, he didn't want my normal either. But anyway, the point is, okay, you might as well live God loud and be out there. Now, see, our perspective is if I do that, everybody's going to hate me. That may not be true. There could be a group of those people just waiting to watch and just check. I mean, I remember one time, man, one gentleman, he, for the six years I worked at the mill, I mean, this guy was a nuisance. He was a stinker. I mean, my goodness, he was just rude. He was just, a, you just kind of, you know, you just kind of, every time you walk by, you want to slap him. I was, I was immature then. So anyway, uh, so, you know, it's just the way he was. And finally, uh, one day when it came time, and they, I was getting ready to, uh, to basically say, I'm done here, I'm going into the full-time ministry, here he comes. And he wanted to talk to me. And I'm thinking, uh, okay, what do you want, you know? I just want you to know I've been watching you for six years. Yes, I've known. Yeah, but I want you to know something. I'm going to go to your church. All of a sudden, well, amen, brother. Praise the Lord. And he went through all this, started explaining to me about he watched it when this thing happened and when that thing happened and how you responded and how you reacted here and how you didn't back up. You kept talking Jesus the whole time I've known you. He said, so I want to be a part of your church. And he did. Came became part of our church until he moved. But he was there for years. And then nobody understood him. He was an odd duck. and uh, But yet, something about that guy I loved. He was straight up. He was always straight with me. Come on, somebody. Didn't pull any punches. Just kind of said it like it was. An ace, an ace, a spade, a spade, and that's it. And uh, so anyway, uh, I, I, I love the guy. Amen. But, uh, you know, it just pays to live God loud. Amen. Because you ride the fence. There could be a group of people there. All they're seeing is that fence walker or fence rider. Are you hearing me? All right. How about this? Envy. Now, it's one we talked about last week, but it's really a, a little bit different spin on the word here. It's a little bit different word. Thanos. Uh, so it's P-H. T-H-O-N-O-S okay, is the Greek word. Now, it's just worthy of bringing out because, you know, maybe the Greek, it don't mean nothing to you because it's all Greek to you. But anyway, the point is, is that, you know, you understand that there's a reason for these words. The reason he said what he said. You're being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, amen, offering up, amen, spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable unto God. Why, what is he talking about? Well, you got all this stuff happening. And to be who you're called to be, to fulfill what you're called to fulfill, to walk this thing like you're supposed to, then you got to be willing to let go of some of this stuff. you got to be willing to lay some of this stuff down and not get caught up in it. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. Envy. That means ill will. This particular word here means ill will. Okay? refers to a grudge. It means invective, which means literally means to be verbal due to a jealousy or just flat annoyed or irritated. Has anybody ever been around anybody that irritates you? My goodness, I've been around some people that just irritate the snot out of me, I tell you. It's just something about them. We do get it fixed. But if you're going to be spiritual, you're going to have to. You can't go around just saying, it's talking about literally being verbal. You know that guy? Yeah. Ha! 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 Whoo! Ha! My! Right? It's like, they irritate me. And then what happens? There's always somebody else that goes, 
Yeah, me too. Yeah, me three. Yeah, me four. There. That just gave the Spirit of God so much room to move. So what we did is we just opened up a door for the unseen. In this case, it wasn't any. Did I spit on you, bro? I'm so no, sorry. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so, you know, remember, if, you're, if we're aware of the unseen, you're more apt to say, you know what, I'm not going to give in to that. Instead, because I'm aware of the unseen, I'm going to take that individual and start praying for him. And I use this as an illustration. I've used it more than once, but there was this one lady. Oh, bless her darling little heart. She was the most annoying person I've ever been around. And uh, she, you know, decided she was going to go to my church. <sighs> Gosh, can't you go to another one? And he says, God, is this really the pastor? Look how mean he is. Listen, I'm just saying what you thought. And God, I started talking to the Lord about her. I said, every time she comes in, she causes trouble. She gets this going and that stirred up and this happening. It's like, Calgon, take me away. And the Spirit of God says, you know, why don't you try praying for her? I was like, well, <laughs> that's right. Wait a minute, I'm the preacher. Pray for her. Pray for her. Wow, what a concept. Not against her. For her. So I started praying for her. And you know what happened? Doggone it. Spirit of God, all of a sudden, let me see her for who she was. Let me see her strengths. Let me see what she had dealt with, what she had been through. And all of a sudden, my heart just goes out for her. And it wasn't anymore seeing the, the little negative this and the negative that and the negative. All I could see was how much God was in love with her. And all of a sudden, it shifted. And I got my heart right. And it wasn't long. And she just kind of started changing for some odd reason. Because somehow or another, it gave room for God to move on her behalf. Well, this, this unseen stuff is working. It actually works. Is anybody hearing me? Envy. How about this last one? All evil speaking. Woo! Mercy. What does that mean? About what it stands or sounds like. The word is cat l l i a t a k a t a l a l i a. Okay, so that's the Greek word. Uh, uh, defamation or slander speaks of backbiting or literally means to smear another. Okay, so um, pretty much like you said, to speak evil of somebody. All right. Now, again, today's message is about spiritual perspective. So if we have a right perspective, we're more apt to offer up a spiritual sacrifice regardless of what's happened to us, what was said, what was done. We choose the higher road. Why? Because we're gaining his perspective. Now let's go back to the very beginning, talking about the Spirit of God. The word spirit means breath. So what we're doing, every time we spend time with God, letting God breathe into us, what are we doing? Not only are we, you know, being empowered, but we're also gaining a different perspective. Last week, uh, what kind of stirred in for this week, but talking about, he said, we're, you know, you're like, you're acting like babies. He said, you're, you're envious and striving and, and divisions. And he said, you're acting like mere men. He says, I can't even talk to you like spiritual people. Now, he didn't just go in to say, you bunch of babies. Because chapter two comes before chapter three. 
then chapter 2 is all about giving you awareness that God, the Spirit of God, amen, will show you things will reveal things, even things that the eye hadn't seen, the ear hadn't heard, hadn't even been entered into the heart of man, things that have been prepared for you. Why? Because you may need it here in a few minutes. Why? Because you have to deal with people. You have to deal with circumstances. Years ago, the Spirit of God says most people base their faith on experiences, and they base their responses on circumstances. Most people uh, base their faith, right, their faith believing on experiences. In other words, something that's happened in the past or something that's happened to somebody else. I mean, you you don't base your faith on experiences. You base it on the Word of God. Or we base our reactions, our responses Our perspective, we could even say in this, based on circumstances, what's going on right now. So what happens, this thing is now in front of your face, and so you respond according to it instead of offering up a spiritual sacrifice here saying, I refuse to go there. Years ago, uh, and I only share this because, uh, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, a lot of times I'm sharing my experiences and uh, things that I've happened and all that kind of stuff. Not that you base your faith on them, but just to let you know that, uh, you know, I've done some good things and I've done some bad things, done some things right and done some things wrong. Come on, right? Some things I actually learned from God and some things I learned from the school of hard knocks. Now, it's better to learn by God or from God than the school of hard knocks because it has a really high tuition. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's there, though. That school's available if that's what you want to enter into. Um, but I'd rather learn from God himself. Amen. So uh, uh, I, I took over this pastorate. You, you okay with my stories or not? Okay. I took over the pastorate uh, in this church in 1991. I was the youth leader at that time. I was a pa- youth pastor for about, about four years. During that four-year time, I worked towards uh, being licensed and ordained. And uh, I took over the pastor to senior pastor uh, in 1991. And uh, then, of course, uh, about three years later, 1994, we changed the name to Word of Victory. So it is a, as of this year, 25 years as Word of Victory. Amen. So um, been here a little while. So been involved in ministry, probably roughly right close to 30 years. And so when you count all your youth ministry and all that stuff. But in 1991, I took over the pastorate. About six months earlier than that, something happened. We had some guest speaker in, and and um, pastor had asked me to do offering and different things, and you know just doing, just kind of filling in where I can and stuff. Well, by the end, at the end of the meeting, uh, the pastor called me in the office, and he says, uh, uh, "I want you to leave my church." Uh, I, I thought, you know what? I said, in fact, I want you to leave now and don't ever come back. And I'm like, I'm, I'm stunned. I, I don't have a clue. I still to this day don't know what happened. To this day, I still don't know. Okay, all I know is I found out later that the pastor was under a lot of duress because of family situations. Found all that out later. Amen. So we believed God with him and all that kind of stuff. But all of a sudden, something triggered something and it was aimed at me. So I'm, I'm in the office, everybody's out greeting, talking, fellowshipping because the meeting's done and I'm being sent on my way. So he said, get your wife and go. So I walked out, I did what the pastor said. I said, Trudy, we got to go. She said, well, I'm talking. She said, we got to go. Believe me, we got to go. So we left. So I explained to her on the way home what had happened. Still don't know, we're both stunned. We're both just kind of in shock. Okay. Now, listen, six months later, I'm pastoring it. Now, so we go home. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked at what's going on. I have no idea what happened. I just, it just, he was very upset. And so I go home. I don't know what to do. So all I know is 
I'm going out, I'm going out to the back deck. And I'm going to talk to the Lord. That's all I knew to do. Because I didn't understand what was going on. So I go out to the back deck, go out the back door. I'm on the back deck. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God said to me what he says to me quite often. What are you going to do about it? And I want to go, really? What are you going to do about it? And as I've always said, every time I bring that up, when God asks you a question, it's not because he don't know the answer. He wants to know if you know the answer. Adam, where are you? You don't think he didn't know where he was? He wanted to know if Adam knew where he was. And he didn't. Anyway. So, what are you going to do about it? And I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't know what else to do. I, he told me, don't come back. He said, where was you called to? I said, I was called to that church. He said, who's your pastor? He said, well, he's my pastor. He said, did I change that? No, but did I change that? No, you didn't. So what's changed? So at that moment, I made up my mind. Nothing's changed. Next day, showed up to the meetings. It never was brought up. It never was ever talked about again. To this day, still don't have a clue what I did. Never received an apology. It didn't matter. Six months later, I'm pastoring. Now, I brought this up for this reason. What if I did what most people would do? Dag on preachers. I tell you, in church, who needs a church anyway? I'll just go on and do my own thing. I think this is a good time to offer up a spiritual sacrifice. Now, that's one of the things I did right. Because <laughs> I didn't always do them all right. But that one is like, hallelujah, I heard God, I did the right thing. Right? See, these are the things that he's talking about. If you're aware, see, at that moment, I was aware of God's presence. And I was aware that I don't really want to go down some road that I've seen others go down. So it made a difference in my character, which makes a difference in your maturity. See, your maturity isn't based on how long you've been saved. Your maturity is based on character. And your character is going to be based on insights and revelation and understanding of the unseen or the things of the unseen. Still with me? And I'm talking about on the spiritual aspect here. There's a lot of people out there that got good character and maybe don't have a clue about God. That's true. But they have an understanding that they don't want to go down some road that others have gone down. Come on, somebody. And they choose a higher way, a higher road. Amen. So, today's message, spiritual perspective. So, what happened? Well, I chose God's perspective. God said, you still belong to that church, and you still belong under that pastor. Now, what are you going to do about it? Well, I choose your perspective, sir. And as a result of it, it ended up the way it did. Can I hear a big amen? Amen. Because, I mean, well, I mean, you stop and you think about it. Now we can only, you know, only, you know, sit and, you know, analyze and maybe come up with all kinds of ideas. But 
I've seen a lot of folks who chose a different road because somebody did something to them or somebody said something or somebody reacted or responded in a way you wish they wouldn't have or somebody looked at you cross-eyed. You know, sometimes somebody looked at you cross-eyed, didn't even see you. I'm not trying to be funny there. That's a fact. Sometimes they just got a lot going on. They didn't even see you. But you're looking at them like, <sighs> yeah. My wife just said to me, remember, Amir, uh, what happened was one time I had some kids over to the house, and, and uh, uh, my, uh, one of my kids had acted up. And we had uh, in, the, in the dining area, there was these mirrors, these big full-length mirrors. And uh, my, uh, one of my kids acted up, and uh, I'm sitting there staring at him. I kind of give the dad look, you know, like in the, I was looking at, kind of looking in the mirror because they caught their face in the mirror. So I'm giving that look. Yeah, yeah, they're, right, they're over here. And I'm looking, at, but I didn't realize that one of their friends was sitting in the seat at the table that was just right below where I was looking. Now, I'm, I'm glaring at my kid. And he looks at me and he just goes, what, what, what did I do, what did I do? Oh, 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 no, 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 I was looking at somebody else. <laughs> Perspective, right? One time driving down the highway, all right, I'm just, you know, got things, thinking about this, thinking about that. Somebody was in the park that was next to the highway and they're pushing their kid on a swing. And they look up and they see pastor coming by. And they're going. They left the church. They did. They left the church because I wouldn't wave at them. I didn't see you. I'm really not that bad. You know, I'm for the most part kind. Rick's looking at me and no, dude. No, okay. <laughs> the point is, is sometimes, you know, we're going along, something happened, had nothing to do with you. And so it's always better to just maintain his perspective, choose a higher road, because this would be just a good time to offer up a spiritual sacrifice. Something, here we go, that's acceptable to God. What do you think? Isn't it just better to do that? You know, it's like uh, one brother, or actually it was, a, it was a, uh, some, a book I read. Believe it or not, I have read other books. But anyway, um, read a book, and it just said this, and, the, and one of the texts in there said this, care little about what, what earth thinks and put most of your weight on what God thinks. Right? You know, maintain, hook up with what God thinks. Amen? And so it just pays that regardless of what's going on, I'm staying connected to you. Hallelujah. I'm going to focus, praise God, my attention on you. Let you breathe into me so that I maintain a right perspective. Amen? That no matter what's going on, I maintain a right outlook. Amen? A right viewpoint, a right perspective. Can I hear a big amen? All right, why don't you all stand up, praise God, hallelujah. Thank you for letting me finish that, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Whew. There's just a lot going on, and it's a crazy world out there. I said, it's a crazy world out there. And so somewhere along the line, there needs to be a people willing to just take the higher road. Hallelujah. Now, I didn't mean that you, you lay back and let everybody run you over and mow you over. But when you take a higher road, you, you let God speak in you, give you wisdom and what to do, what to say, how to do it. Amen. And you always end up, praise God, the head, not the tail, and above only and not beneath. Can I hear a big amen? 
Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor. Thank you again for this people today that had an ear to hear and a heart to receive. Thank you, Lord. Praise God for opening the eyes of our understanding. Praise God that we gain and walk in. Praise God on a spiritual perspective. Praise God. A spiritual house willing to offer up spiritual sacrifices, doing the right thing. Hallelujah. Choosing the higher road. And for that, we give you praise and glory. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.